Welcome to Swimming Upstream, where we talk about Catholicism, technology, culture and politics, baseball, and whatever else might come up. I'm your host, Eric Sammons. Hello and welcome. As you might notice if you've been watching my videos in the past that uh, I have a new format this time. I'm hoping this will be a little bit more professional, a little bit better done, but the truth is I don't have a lot of time and money, so I'm kind of throwing it together. So who knows, it might be a little better, maybe not. Let me know if you think it's uh, any better than previously or worse. Now, if you're listening to this on the podcast, obviously there's no difference because you're just listening to the audio. But for those who are watching the video on YouTube or Facebook, uh, let me know if you think the new format's any good, if it's any better or worse. Well, today what I wanted to talk about wasn't the new format of this video. I want to talk about the allure of socialism. Specifically, why is it that socialism has gotten so popular in our country again? Now, I'm old enough to remember growing up in the 1980s when the Red Menace was all around Soviet uh, Union. We were afraid that one day we would get uh, a nuclear attack. I remember looking at the list one day, one morning in the paper, to see where Cincinnati, where I lived, where I was growing up, where it ranked on list of targets where the Soviet Union would attack us. And we were taught from a very young age that the Soviet Union was the evil empire. And it was evil mainly because it was a communist country. I mean, obviously it was atheistic as well, but it was communist. And so most of us associated communism with evil and therefore thereby socialism with evil. So there's no real attraction for us to socialism. In fact, when some liberal uh, politicians would start to sound a little socialistic, all you had to do was call them a socialist and you're guaranteed that they're going to lose then. And so that's very different from what we have today, where socialism is actually growing in its uh, popularity and many Democrats are actually embracing socialism. You see it, of course, Bernie Sanders was probably the, the, the number one person who has made socialism popular again among liberal, among Democrat circles. But recently, uh, a young woman named, I'll probably, I always butcher names, so I'll probably butcher this one, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who is a 28-year-old uh, person who ran for the U.S. House of Representatives and uh, scored a big upset in Democratic primary recently, and she's an avowed socialist. And so what we see here is we see this socialism is, is on the rise again, it's becoming popular. And why is that? Now, one thing real quick, let's define socialism. I mentioned communism, and of course, they're not the exact same thing, although in a lot of people's minds, they really are. Socialism is an economic system, and that's really all it is. It's an economic system that basically says that everybody basically works in a sense and puts their, their earnings, their profits into a common pool that then supports everybody. And communism is more of an economic and political system. A lot of people consider communism a form of socialism in which the government basically enforces this and makes it so that everybody is uh, part of this collective that, that then supports everybody else. And so it's more forced. You can actually have voluntary socialism. In fact, in the Acts of the Apostles in the Bible, the first Christians, there is a suggestion that they lived in a socialistic community voluntarily. They put all their goods together for the common good. And so you could have voluntary socialism, although there's not really that many examples of that happening. Monasteries obviously would be another example, but usually in, in main society, you don't see that happening. In the early uh, 
years of the Amer of Americas, the first American colonists in the 17th century. You had some of those were socialistic groupings where they basically enforced almost you almost call it communism then. They enforced socialism, but they were dire failures. People starved, and so they gave up that, and they realized that's not really the way to go. So what is it, though, that makes socialism very popular today? Well, one thing is it's obvious, should be, it's offering to give free things to people for nothing. Basically, you can get free college tuition, free health care. Some people are even suggesting a basic minimum income so that everybody makes a certain amount of money. For example, maybe perhaps, let's say, $30,000. Everybody in the country would make at least $30,000. So if you don't have a job, you make $30,000. You get that from the government. If you have a job that makes $15,000 a year, you get $15,000 more from the government. So everybody at least makes $30,000 a year. And this, of course, will be paid for by our tax dollars. Now, that's an obvious reason. I mean, in a very simplistic way, who wouldn't want free stuff? If you're going to give me free college tuition, you're going to give me a, a basic income I can live off of, you're going to give me free health care, hey, sign me up. What's the catch? And of course, there is a big catch. And we'll get to that in a minute. But I would also say there are three major reasons for the popularity of communism today. The first one is I think it's a reaction to the uh, 2008 uh, recession, the, the, the financial crisis that we met. The, the common like uh, the narrative that we heard was the reason for this is because we had not enough regulation and, and people were just going crazy and you know the government wasn't involved enough and so that's why we had this financial uh, crisis, the, the housing bust and all this. And so people thought, hey, the, the, the solution to this, so people don't have to go through this pain and misery of capitalism, is we need socialism. Of course, the problem is, is that the 2008 crisis was caused by too much government invention, intervention. I'm sorry. It wasn't caused by uh, a lack of government intervention. It was caused by government getting involved in so many aspects of our economy. For example, the Fed keeping interest rates down so that people, more pe people could buy houses. It was the goal of the government that more and more people should buy their own house. They should be a homeowner. That's the American dream. The problem is a lot of people just weren't financially set, weren't in a position to own a home, and they shouldn't own a home. They should rent. It's a better financial decision for them. But when the government keeps interest through the Fed, keeps interest rates so low, and they tempt people, basically they keep saying, buy, buy, buy a house, then you get people who really can't afford those houses. And a lot of people were complicit in that, but that's really kind of the driving force of that bust and other things as well. But the idea that it was capitalism or a lack of government intervention that caused the 2008 crisis is literally the opposite of the truth. But people think that, and so therefore, socialism has become very popular because of that. Another big reason I think that socialism is so popular today is because it is in our political DNA these days to basically say, if we have a problem, what, how, what is the government going to do to fix it? We don't think to ourselves anymore, okay, how can I fix this? How can my community fix this? How can my, you know, maybe my church group or whatever the case may be, how can we fix this? No, instead we think, how can Washington fix this? And this is true of both parties. It's just as true of the Republicans as is the Democrats. Yes, the Democrats are much more explicit about it, but the Republicans, they often look to the government to solve problems as well. And so basically people look to the government as they are the solution to our problems. Well, there's only one small step from that attitude to socialism, to saying, well, let's just go ahead and make sure that 
the government controls everything. We have a central uh, uh, economy that's controlled by the government. They tell us how much prices should be. They tell us how people, what people should do with their money. I mean, it's a small step. So I think over the years, as more and more, you know, liberals for a long time have said, how can the government solve our problems? But conservatives have also looked to the government to say, how can the government solve our problems? How can they solve our problems? What we see is that that's kind of building the base that's creating an environment where socialism becomes attractive because basically looking to the government to solve our problems has become attractive. Now, a third reason that I think socialism is popular, and I think this is something that we might not think of, I honestly think it has to do with how uh, people are being raised, how young people are being raised. You see, socialism is becoming very popular with young people, college students, and I think it's because I see this all the time, how parents are raising their children. They're raising them to basically look at the world as whether or not it's fair to them, whether or not they get what they want. Not like basically, okay, what do you have to do? How should you work hard to, to achieve what your dreams, but instead your dreams should be given to you. You know, you see this where, you know, in my day, if, yes, I sound like an old fogey, get off my lawn and all that. But my, when I was young, if I got in trouble at school and a report was sent home to my parents that I was in trouble, I guarantee you their first reaction would be is to look at me and say, what did you do wrong? How, why did you do that? And they'd give me an additional punishment to whatever the school did. Today though, if a kid gets in trouble, the parents' first reaction is to go blame the school, blame the teacher and say, hey, why did you let Johnny get in trouble? Why did you say Johnny got in trouble? He's such a good little boy. You need to apologize for that. And so what we see is this kind of turning where people don't take responsibility for the actions. They don't, think that's, they don't think there's a connection between what I get and hard work. I think some of that has to do with just the fact that we're a more affluent society. So many people, especially middle class people and upper class people, they get everything they need, even from a young age, and they don't have to work for it. But hard work, there's no connection there between hard work and achieving material success. And so I think that disconnect breeds socialism, frankly. The fact that kids are given everything they want from a very young age, they have their, their video games, they have their phones, they have you know, their TVs, they have everything they want from a very young age, and it's just given to them. So then when they go off into the world and they're not living with their parent, mom and dad anymore, they're like, well, give me everything. I need to, get, I need to be given what I deserve in their mind. So I think that's a major factor in why socialism has gotten popular. You know, it's kind of like, you know, the whole snowflake culture we some of us make fun of on college campuses where college students are demanding all these things from the colleges. They're just demanding everything. Well, that's basically socialism in a sense that I don't want to work, but I want somebody else to take care of me. I want the community, the society to take care of me. I think all three of those things are uh, factors in why socialism has gotten popular. Now, of course, the problem, the number one problem with socialism is that there is no such thing as a free lunch. I mean, to put it simply. So even though they say you get free college tuition, free um, health care, uh, a minimum uh, income, all those things, they're not really free. Somebody is paying for them. Somebody's got to pay the doctor to do the work he's going to do or else he's not going to do it. Somebody has to pay the college professor for the work he's going to do or she's going to do or she's not going to do it. And so somebody has to pay for it. And who pays for it? the taxpayers pay for it. So the more affluent taxpayers basically support those who are less, um, you know, who don't have as much money or don't want to work, who don't want to make money. Now let's use the example of the um, basic minimum income that people talk about now that people should, and it's just, it's kind of still on the fringes of being a radical idea, but I feel like it's getting more and more popular, unfortunately. 
Let's say, for example, we made the, the basic minimum income, we made the BMI, we made it uh, $30,000 a year. So everybody gets at least $30,000 a year. Sounds great, right? So some poor person who's on the streets, homeless, can't support himself, he gets $30,000 a year. That sounds great. Now, here's the thing is whenever the government does or anybody uh, entity does something like this, they're always, they create incentives and they create disincentives. Meaning they incentivize certain people to do certain things and they disincentivize other people to do other things. And so in this case, think about if you're a person who, who's making $15,000 a year and you can just stop working and you can make $30,000 a year. The fact is human nature being what it is, most people are gonna to choose to do that. So they're not gonna work anymore. So now they're not even working for $15,000 a year. Let's say you're making $30,000 a year now and you're working your butt off. You're working 40 hours a week, you know, hard labor, and you're making $30,000 a year. Why keep doing that if you don't have to? Now let's say you're making $35,000 a year and working hard. Well, you can take off your job, not working work, and make $30,000. So those people, so what we see is from a certain point, people will not make, will stop working. And so people from about let's say, you know, let's we'll just say $35,000 and below, most of them are going to stop working. And so that means more will have to, since, more, since that will increase the number of people who now need to be paid for by the government, supported by the government, now those who are richer, they will start getting taxed more to, in order to pay for that. So let's say you're making $40,000 a year, you're still working, but now because so many people have added themselves to the roles of, on the government dole, you're at $40,000 a year and your taxes are now $10,000 a year. Now you're taking home $30,000 a year. What are you going to do? You're going to stop working, of course, because you can make $30,000 without working. What if, and, and of course, the cycle you see continues. So, you know, more people get on the, on the government rolls and then all of a sudden you start to tax higher income people even more. And then they go, they start to drop. It's an infinite cycle that ends in misery for everybody because you simply can't do it. It's almost like a pyramid scheme in a sense. And that's just one example of how, you know, socialism of basically taking from some people and giving to others just for no, just because it's commanded by the government doesn't work in the end. And so what is it that we need to do in order to combat socialism. So socialism isn't popular with young people or with anybody. I think first of all, we begin at a young age to teach self-sufficiency. You have your kids working hard doing chores from day one, you know, as, as young as they're able to do. So if they're five years old, maybe they're uh, cleaning off the table or something like that. And they're not getting paid for it even necessarily, but they just realize I have to do this as a um, part, being part of this family. And as they get older, you give them extra chores so they do get paid for. So they see the value of hard work equals I can make myself, I can make a living. Also, I think we need to teach this basic self-discipline. That we choose, discipline is essentially choosing what we want most over what we want now. And so oftentimes we're going to deny ourselves something now in order to get it later. Well, a socialist basically is saying, I don't want to have to do anything. I just want to get what I get without having to do anything ever. But a disciplined person would say, okay, I have a dream. I want to own a home one day, let's say. I want to own a home. Um, you know, maybe it's going to cost me $100,000, $150,000. I need to save up for that. I need to save so I can afford that. So what I do is I work hard. I, I keep a job. Maybe I work two jobs. And I then uh, save the money. I don't spend it on stuff I want right now. I don't spend it on the latest uh, video games. I don't spend it on, on nights out eating. But instead, I save it up so I can afford that home. We teach people debt from a very young age.
Another thing I think we need to do is we need to stop demonizing the rich. It's a very common political ploy to make the rich out to be the evil people. Well, I, I recommend people who think that read the book The Millionaire Next Door. It's very eye-opening because the typical millionaire in this country does not live on fancy yachts and like, you know, drinking like super expensive uh, wine and champagne and things like that and traveling all over the world. That's just a depiction Hollywood will give you, that the rich are always like that. The typical millionaire, you know, rich person who has a high uh, net worth, he lives basically a, a middle class to upper middle class life. He's, the reason the book's called that is because he might be living next door to you in the suburbs. And so that's your, that's your rich. We need to stop demonizing them. They're the ones who are creating jobs. They're the ones who are, are creating the products that we use, the products and services we use. You know, the, you know let's say it's a, a landscaping company that's gotten very successful in, in your city. The guy who owns that might be a millionaire now. He is part of the rich. Does that make him somehow uh, the problem in this world? No, he's actually the opposite. He's the one who's providing a service that people want. People decide, I want a landscaping service. And so therefore they pay him to do it. They pay his company to do that. So he's the solution, not the problem. So instead of acting like all the rich are like Paris Hilton or something like that, we need to realize that they're the people who are uh, giving us our, the products and services we need and they're helping us um, in, our, in our lifestyles that we have and making it so we can live the way we want to live. And also finally, I would say another way we can combat socialism is simply stop looking to DC or your local state house for the solutions to problems. When there's a problem in the community, don't first look and say, okay, how can a politician solve this problem? Look to solve it yourself. Now, one problem is, is the government has become so intrusive that often they will stop you. When people have solutions to problems, you know, maybe a, 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 somebody wants to help the homeless in, in, in their downtown of their city on his own, often the government will shut it down. So that's a real problem. And so we have to uh, elect politicians who won't shut those type of good deeds down. But more importantly, we just need to stop looking to DC, stop looking to our, our elected, elected officials as the only solution to our problems. Instead, realize that we can solve our problems by, on our own by uniting with other like-minded community members and working hard to make that happen. So socialism has a great allure today and I think it's very dangerous for our country that it does because every single country that tries socialism fails miserably. Don't believe the lie that it, it, you know that these countries didn't really try socialism. Go move to Venezuela right now if you want to see how socialism works. And if you're a big socialist, I'd suggest going down there, living there for a year, and seeing how what you think of socialism after that's over. Okay, well that's it for today's show. I hope you like the new format. Let me know what you think of it. Um, and until next time, keep swimming against the stream.